With your help, we can continue to fight for freedom, reach new audiences, and bring important information to the public free of charge. This is not possible without your generosity. Join our quest for the truth and our freedom and donate today. Simply go to tntradio.live. You're with Chris Smith on today's News Talk Radio. TNT. G'day, g'day. Welcome to the program. Welcome to Hump Day, where I am broadcasting from in Sydney, Australia. Hump Day Wednesday. It is good to have you with us. I've got to ask a question today, and I'll ask it of my first guest as well. Of those fighting in Gaza, which side do you think is winning the war? If you had to say who's winning the war, which side would that be? Now, I will tell you who I think is running away with it right now, both figuratively and I think statistically. I'll tell you a little bit more and why shortly on the program. A decorated former CIA intelligence officer has had some fascinating things to say on exactly that and also pointed to the length of this war suiting both Hamas and also the Palestinian people. We'll hear from him as well in the program. Our line of liberty, Brian McWilliams, will tell us which side he thinks is winning the conflict and we'll discuss the wave of anti-Semitism which really has swept through university campuses across the United States. It's become rather chronic and there was a an event in Congress only 24 hours ago that I want to tell you about in detail, plus the gulf between climate alarmism coming out of COP28 in Dubai and the true impact of natural disasters. There is a massive gulf. They all say they want every one of us to follow the science, you see, but they only want us to follow the science when it suits them, especially the IPCC. But when natural disasters are not increasing and the ferocity of natural disasters are not increasing, well, that doesn't kind of fit the narrative, does it? We'll talk about that with Brian. From down under today, stand by for Prue McSween. She'll be attacking the strike zone, no doubt, on the latest international education results, some good and bad results there. The UK's decision to halve its migration intake, that may have something to do with being elected, but also with inflation. The emotional defamation case involving alleged Parliament House rape victim Brittany Higgins and Oxford's word of the year, which you will shake your head at. I've got to say, it is so stupid. It's not even a word, but we'll get to that with Prue a little bit later in the program. Plus, our cyber news and tech guru, Alex Zaha Rothroyd, will be on the program. He'll be coming to us from California today. He's at a huge AI conference, and he'll tell us all about that. He'll have the inside on that. And the sad state of affairs for the electric vehicle market, uh, the revenue drought at Elon Musk's X, and there's a new rover headed to the moon. What do you think they're called, this rover? Anyway, it may have something to do with those who were asked to comment on the name of the rover, but it's another head shaker. And talking uh, about calls, you'll have an open invitation to have your say, of course, on the talkback lines. Don't leave it to someone else. We want to hear from you. Step right up. Have your say. It is peak opinion time around the world right now. So if you're listening from the United States or Canada, 
1-888-201-6425. If you've just woken up in the UK, it's just gone 4 a.m., 033-0024-1026. And from Australia or New Zealand, 1-800-670-310. They are our talkback numbers. You get VIP treatment if you jump on the talkback lines, and we won't keep you waiting like others might do on other radio stations around the world, you will get straight to air. I can promise you that. You're with Chris Smith, broadcasting live on the global news talk network, tntradio.live. Keeping the commitment. I love you guys. Unbelievable. 24-7. Listen to you every day, have for years. Today's news talk radio, TNT. You know, the more this war continues in Gaza, the truth is the more Israel is being universally punished by the world. And you heard that in that last news break when Benjamin Netanyahu lifted his voice, lifted his voice referring to back to October 7 and wondering why women's groups and humanitarian groups have not said enough about what happened in terms of rape and mutilation to women on October 7. He's still on about this two months later. And I have a feeling that gives us an inkling that he knows that uh, Israel is very much in the bad books in the eyes of the rest of the universe. I still can't believe that their greatest ally, the United States, is constantly warning Israel, and publicly, I might add, to spare innocent Palestinian lives. Since when does that happen in any war? I haven't heard it before, but let's not beat around the bush here. Israel has brought this upon themselves because they bombed the bejesus out of Gaza even before putting boots on the ground. That's how they started. And in the process, have possibly killed as many as 16,000 civilians and more than 6,000 children. If that's not genocide, it's about as deadly careless as they could have possibly been. And the more Gaza is crushed, figuratively and literally, the more the momentum builds on global leaders to ensure that after the bombing ends, there will be a Palestinian state. Apart from the tragic loss of so many lives, 16,000 in total thus far, I think this is a major victory for the Palestinians. They have gained worldwide support, without a doubt, and they will gain the state that they were promised way back in 1917 and again in 1949 that never eventuated. That's not a bad result. To me, this has been a masterstroke in brutal warfare from the Iranians. Let's not kid ourselves, as was reported the day after October 7, the Iranians convened the meetings of key Islamic extremist groups, including Hamas, which planned and executed the terror attacks on October 7. The massive counterattack by Israel was always a probability. They knew they would come back bigger and better. That's how Israel does it. And you don't have to be a Rhodes Scholar to work out which people would then become the world's greater victims, the Palestinians, That's the way it's worked out. So cue the creation of a sovereign state. Anthony Blinken is talking about it on his visits to Arab states right around the Middle East. 
former covert CIA intelligence officer and decorated US Air Force combat veteran, Andrew Bustamante, addressed these issues in a podcast this week with the Canadian prepper. Bustamante spent his military career specialising in nuclear intercontinental ballistic missile operations, and he believes that the world has been at war in one region or another by proxy for 22 years. From my point of view, World War III is already happening. Around 2001, 2002, we entered into a completely new dynamic of conflict that's called proxy conflict. The whole proxy strategy opens the door to a completely new type of nuclear threat. There's also been developments in new types of nuclear weapons. Anybody with any kind of military or intelligence background knows that Iran is behind us. Primary driver behind October 7th was to create the chaos that we're seeing right now. Iran is the driver. And I agree with exactly what he's saying. But in terms of proxy wars, he's right about proxy wars. These are the wars you have from remote places of power without having to engage in traditional direct warfare. Uh, The 21st century has seen any number of proxy wars. For example, a civil war in Yemen began in 2014 involving a major clash between the militant Houthi movement, supported by Iran, and Yemeni government forces supported by Saudi Arabia and its allies. Following the Russian invasion of Ukraine last year, the United States and its NATO allies have acted as third-party supporters of Ukraine, supplying that country with significant military assistance and imposing economic sanctions on Russia, which just, by the way, have not worked. But that's by proxy. That's a world war by proxy. Meanwhile, China and Iran are acting as third-party supporters of Russia's as well. Plenty of muscle from plenty of major players in the world without any of them raising a sweat, except when they start to lose, as NATO and the US are in Ukraine right now. Iran has actually had a very good year for picking winners and then funding them and then sharing intelligence with them and then assisting with the most evil of strategies. Andrew Bustamante, who was decorated for his role in Afghanistan and Iraq, knows the Middle East very well. And he says the longer Israel's extermination of Hamas goes for, the better it is for the enemies of Tel Aviv. It's in Iran's best interest to keep this conflict going. It's in Hamas's best interest to keep this conflict going. Because every day that Israel kills more Palestinians, the world turns against Israel. The bigger threat to you, me, and the average person is the chaos that would follow. The longer it takes for people to decide what to do next, the longer the atrocities continue. We're in a dangerous place. A dangerous place, but what he's saying about extending this war longer and longer makes a great deal of sense. Meanwhile, it doesn't make any sense to me that Israel did not think that the paragliding attack by Hamas on October 7 would eventuate. The New York Times maintains that the entire manifesto was handed to Israel a year prior to the attacks and the lengthy delays recorded on the morning of October 7 in tasking the IDF to defend southern Israel just make no reasonable sense. This is a country surrounded by enemies, a country with experience in being attacked by surprise and a military 
Well, they're about as spring-loaded as any army and military on earth. Suggestions that the Israelis may have been sacrificing their own citizens to use the attacks to obliterate Hamas once and for all, that's not a conspiracy. When you think about those incredible facts, that is not a conspiracy. They are very fair questions to ask and demand answers from. In fact, in the last 12 hours, it's emerged that even investors had prior knowledge of the October 7 massacre because the UK market show they earned at least tens of millions of pounds short-selling Israeli stocks in the days before. According to a 60-page study by Robert Jackson Jr. of New York University School of Law and Joshua Mitz of Columbia Law School, these investors may be traders with links to Hamas who put huge bets down against the Israeli economy, making more than 100 million US dollars. Now, the report claimed that they were informed traders anticipating and profiting from the Hamas attack, but it may not have been on the Hamas side. The seasoned investors with vast resources to invest are also Israel entities. Now, that might be unlikely to you, and I'd probably accept that. But there's also a report from the UK yesterday which claims that similar shorting behaviour occurred around Passover in early April when, according to confessions by Hamas attackers, a similar operation was planned but was called off at the last minute. Israeli financial authorities said they'd launch an investigation into this report, which also noted suspicious trading activity on the US stock exchange as well shortly before the massacre. A lot of people knew what was happening. Why didn't the Israeli government, or did they? This conflict is riddled with deviations and mystery, but whatever the truth, I think the Palestinians are well and truly on top. This is TNT Radio. TNT Radio's Timothy Shea. The double standard is out there. It's so obvious. It's so frustrating. Eric Holder gets held in contempt of Congress for defying a congressional subpoena. Nothing happens. Obama's DOJ didn't pursue it. Steve Bannon and Peter Navarro defy a congressional subpoena. Joe Biden's DOJ criminally prosecutes them. Criminally prosecutes them for defying a congressional subpoena. And now we've got congressional subpoenas of Hunter Biden and James Biden, the resident's brother. And guess what? Nothing's going to be done by Merrick Garland, Barack Obama, Joe Biden's DOJ. That's right. I said Barack Obama. Obama's the shadow president. He's not the one pulling the strings. He wasn't pulling the strings in his own administration. You know, Valerie Jarrett was his minder. Where is the Iranian-born Valerie Jarrett these days? Haven't seen or heard much of her. It's because the Democrats are smart. Timothy Shea on today's News Talk, TNT Radio. Radio works because of its ability to personalize to the listener. What's exciting these days is that people are rediscovering it. You know, people are really rediscovering just how powerful radio is, how ubiquitous it is. It's in our cars, it's in our homes. There are so many new ways to access it. It's everywhere. To find out more, go to tntradio.live. Internet. Internet. A stream online. tntradio.live. Today's news talk radio. TNT. All right, let's get straight to it. Let's return to the story I told you about in detail only last week and the earliest efforts to censor, demonize, 
and cancel Americans for what they said publicly and on social media. During last Thursday's US congressional hearing on the weaponization of the federal government, Democratic members of Congress insisted that censorship efforts of groups like the Cyber Threat Intelligence League, the Election Integrity Partnership, and the Virality Project were benign and not a violation of the First Amendment. They must be joking. But as California-based journalist Alex Guttentag explained in that December the 5th article, which I went into great detail from, new documents show that US military contractors used counter-terrorism tactics against the American people. Their plans included psychological operations, debanking, and changing social media platforms' terms of service. Let's bring in our regular Wednesday guest, live from LA, to discuss this and much more. Brian McWilliams is Communications Director of the Libertarian Party, America's third largest political party. He's a native Philadelphian, a comedian, an expert in public relations and communication and can be heard on the weekly podcast, The Lions of Liberty, found at lionsofliberty.com. Brian McWilliams, welcome back to TNT Radio. Thank you, Chris. Good to be with you. Good to see some holiday cheer in the studio there. I like your tinsel on the microphone. Yeah. Really going all out. <laughs> Do you know how hard it is to try and find tinsel when the kids end up putting absolutely everything that exists in the house on a tree, on a fence, on the house? Or, or on the garden, like there was nothing left. I had to steal it. Uh, you know, I was trying to find tinsel today and I could not find it anywhere either. I'm not even joking. <laughs> Literally was trying to find it today. But my kids, you know, it's probably for the best because my baby likes to just put it in her mouth, swallow it, and then you know what end it's coming out later. So yes. probably a happier holiday without it in my household. <laughs> yes. That's not a good outcome. Uh, before <laughs> we discuss the counterterrorism tactics being used against the American people, as I mentioned earlier, Former covert CIA intelligence officer Andrew Bustamante says World War Three is already underway by proxy. Do you think he's right? I do, in a way. I mean, I think that when we look at the history of global conflicts and the ongoing fighting that's been that's been happening, I mean, I think something like the past 20 years, we've had one form of proxy war or another ongoing. The United States has undertaken them. Uh, clearly, what's happening with Iran and going on with Hamas. You look at what's basically amounted to a never-ending push by the military-industrial complex to keep these conflicts going. And I think behind the scenes, you are seeing the most powerful countries manipulate these kind of lower-level players in exchange for either promises of security, promises of money. I mean, who knows what they're actually making deals about, but it is kind of a shadow World War III, if you would. And yeah, I do think it's happening. I made the point that although they've lost 16,000 lives, which is just heartbreaking, no matter who you are, where you are, or what you're fighting for, I actually think the Palestinians are winning. They've got universal support worldwide. Uh, you've even got this ridiculous situation where Israel's allies, the United States, are warning their allies, Israel, to watch out for civilians and don't kill any more innocent people, which is quite remarkable. And this is only going to lead eventually to what they've been denied in 1949, what they've been denied in 1917, which is a Palestinian state, right? It is fascinating that it looks like that could be the outcome because all along here, if you follow the history of Hamas, uh, the genesis of it, 
Netanyahu specifically had actually supported the creation, the arming, uh, the boosting up of Hamas because he thought that if you had this terrorist organization in Gaza, it essentially meant that there could not be a Palestinian state because how could you have a, a freestanding state if there's a terrorist organization to the north, if you've got a, a complete different organization in the West Bank and they're at odds with each other and you have these terrorist organizations undertaking attacks of such brutality. But here we are looking at the world turn against Israel. And I you know, mentioned this before, they are losing the public relations war badly. Uh, people are seeing what is, as you call it, a, you know, a virtual genocide because the response has been so devastating and images, no matter what they try to do, are getting out. Accounts of the uh, the ground warfare that's ongoing, the, the mass bombing campaigns, as we discussed, not allowing people to exit the, the nation, even if they have passports to other countries. All of these things are amounting to virtually an unbreakable situation for Israel where you're going to have to sit down and you're going to have to look at this situation. Otherwise, you will be condemned and then you risk being attacked. And frankly, I don't know if they're going to come out on top of this time. No, that's where it's heading right now. But anyway, uh, things can change very quickly. I want to return to Gaza in just a short moment, Brian, but uh, in a United States prism in terms of what's happening on campus, we'll get to that a little bit later. Let's talk about this incredible story that they broke, three journalists last week together. Are enough Americans awake to realise the counterterrorism tactics being used and how far back they began using them? I had just given a speech, oddly enough, this past weekend to my uh, libertarian brethren at a committee of uh, our executive board, and one of the key terms that I use was, you know, there's always the question, who watches the watchers, right? The CIA, the NSA, the organizations that are looking at all of us and judging us and in jailing us and entrapping us, who watches them? And I think the answer, Chris, actually is all of us are finally now watching these organizations. I think that the uh, the magic has basically been evaporated from them. I think that you're no longer going to be tuning into the X-Files with Fox Mulder and actually thinking that he's doing any good or that his character could even exist in the government because <laughs> the conspiracy is all of them. This is yes. taking it down. It's ongoing. Um, <laughs> so I think that Americans are waking up. And I think that more specifically, people are understanding the level of tactics that they're using and this concept of, uh, as defined by the CTI League here and generated by it, this cognitive warfare they're undertaking against Americans. Uh, the ownership and building in infrastructure, which is how they justify these programs to censor and control what Americans think, they call it cognitive infrastructure, and it's actually built and funded through that. So I think Americans are going to wake up. I think they are seeing that the government does not have their best interests in mind and that the reality is being manipulated all the time. Yeah, but we've still got too many pockets of mainstream media going into bat for the Biden administration or whoever is running the country, going into bat for the FBI, believing what they hear from the CIA. They have to do their job. They have to scrutinise more than they ever have before. Well, it's the mainstream media, I would say. I, the more we talk about uh, the CIA infiltration of places like the Washington Post and all these other various organisations, now, this is something that is gaining traction online. And I hate to say, once again, you know, God bless Twitter and God bless Elon Musk, but the fact that 
people are learning about these organizations through uh, campaigns by things like Libertarian Party and others to make people aware that the mainstream media is complicit, is working hand in hand with the government and is funded by the government directly. Uh, Some of the reporting coming out from public and other newspapers has shown the direct government funding of newspapers in order to push the COVID narrative. So COVID, for as much damage as it did, may have been the actual Pandora's box to open up and show everybody just what the evil is going on here, uh, from finances to these misinformation and disinformation campaigns to journalists being straight up paid to push misinformation. So I think inevitably the truth will come out on this and that people are waking up because there's just no way around it, especially with court cases like Gretchen Whitmer, Michigan, um, other people that have been let off uh, for January 6th now as evidence has been uh released exonerating them to see that the FBI is in fact coordinating a lot of these arrests and a lot of these terror plots that that they're supposedly debunking. That's a fascinating theory and it makes complete sense to me that we should be thankful for this COVID censorship because it was the thing that was on steroids. It was the thing that was easily detectable, especially afterwards. And, you know, with what they did with social media, the game was well and truly exposed. If it weren't for COVID-19, I agree with you. If it weren't for COVID-19, we wouldn't have seen what has been planned in the United States since 2018. Yeah, I mean, they they so blatantly overplayed their hand with COVID and yeah. the desperation, as you saw, really, we might not have even gotten to this point, but the desperation to cover their tracks to cover the lies. I mean, the lies were so deep and so prolific and destroyed so many lives. You could see them really scrambling, especially with social media, to control the information. People started seeing posts taken down that were just insane, psychotically indefensible to remove from social media. They knew people that were deplatformed and lost their jobs. Once you hit that point, there's no going back. I don't care what narrative you try to force out there. There's no going back. And in truth, I think the same thing is going to happen with climate change. And um, in particular, you saw... A uh, Hillary Clinton clip has been making the rounds claiming climate deaths because now they need to make any sort of grasp to to defend uh, and vilify anybody who's attacking the climate movement. But you're seeing a similar pattern trying to remove content that dares go against that narrative. People are going to wake up to this as well. And you need to hit rock bottom, I guess, sometimes before you can finally see the light that's shining down above. They're excellent arguments, mate, excellent arguments. I want to talk about COP28 in just a short moment and more, including what we heard from the former National Security Advisor, your mate, John Bolton. We'll do that after a quick break. We'll get some news for our listeners on TNT Radio. I got a news flash for you. TNT Radio News. Matt Boyland here with a look at your TNT headlines. The Speaker of the US House of Representatives has taken aim at the House Select Committee for what he says was a one-sided investigation into the January 6 attack on the Capitol. A visibly frustrated Israeli Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu's taken aim at those who've condemned his country's bombing of civilians in Gaza. And Russian President Vladimir Putin was expected to travel to the Middle East in a rare overseas trip on Wednesday before meeting with Iran's President in Moscow upon his return. The Common Housefly Caught in the clutches of the spider's web. Every move it makes just makes matters worse. Then, dinner time. Feast on the captivating stories, videos, and helpful information on our website. Whoa. Dinner's ready. Oh, man. Escape is futile. Just one more video. Get stuck in our web. TNTradio.live. I love that. 
the spider's web. Let's get back to Brian McWilliams. On Saturday, Brian, your mate, former National Security Advisor John Bolton, criticised the Biden administration for its attempts to extend the truce in Gaza, calling them objectively pro-Hamas. He said, I think Israel's best judgment here is to simply proceed militarily to achieve the objective it says it wants, which is the elimination of Hamas. John Bolton is obviously not reading the room. The world was screaming for a pause, Brian. Uh, as, as I said before, there is never a, a decision when it comes to war. There is never an outcome that John Bolton is not on the wrong side of. I mean, the man has an unbelievable nose for being abysmally wrong as far as outcomes and as far as, as you said, reading the room. And I also think about what is, he's saying, continue the bombing, continue the all out uh, atrocities committed here. If your end goal is to eradicate Hamas, you probably have to start with finding out how many you've actually eradicated because mm. they're not all at one location. They don't even know where the hostages are. They don't know how many Hamas members they've killed. They only know how many overall total people they've killed in Gaza, which as we talked about now is 16,000 plus with 6,000 children. What goal are you really achieving here by continuing a bombing that has attracted worldwide condemnation to what end? Because it doesn't seem like you're getting any closer to victory. And in fact, as we just discussed, it seems like you're probably giving them exactly what they want. Yeah, that's very true. And Bolton obviously is blinded by the fact that, you know, traditional warfare doesn't pause for anyone, even though 16,000 have been killed and the world is not on your side. Like, talk about not reading the room. Um, he's just forgetting about the innocent death toll. He's forgetting about the fact that humanitarian aid was not going to where it was meant to go. Um, this bloke needs to be quiet and just watch his television for a while. Now, at the COP28 climate meeting, this is fascinating. 22 countries have pledged to triple the global nuclear installed capacity by 2050. They also promised to triple their unreliable renewables as well. They can't get it all right. What is your call about what you're hearing out of Dubai, Brian? I think it's amazing how far they've come, right? It's amazing how much money, resources, how many people's lives and businesses have been impacted, closed down, how many people have been erased from uh, public discourse in the scientific community, all in this I've rushed to approve the green agenda. And in the meantime, we've been doing this for 30 years now, all to come right back around to a technology that we had all along that has been safe for the past few decades and which could provide us with bountiful energy at a mere fraction of the cost of what anything green energy can produce provides. And we know it works. Mm. Isn't it amazing that these people have come back around to this point in time? And I mm. think there's one reason for it. It's to cover their butts. It's to yeah. cover up and, and make sure that, oh, we, we've got a brand new plan, guys. Don't worry. Forget the sins of the past. We're here to save you. We just could have done the same thing 30 years ago and saved us all the time, all the trouble and all the pain. It's embarrassing, but it's predictable. Yeah, it's interesting. I was telling my listeners on Monday that we've had um, a, a report out recently, I think it was on Friday, that indicated that emissions in most Western countries had increased, despite the fact that we have spent so many millions and millions of dollars on reducing CO2, I thought the plan was to reduce emissions, which is why we've got to spend our wealth. It doesn't seem to be working. 
It doesn't. If, if that's the case, I thought that they were just going down naturally because, you know, typically in our Western world uh, with any sort of uh, progress, you know, just the basic progress of the marketplace, you get engines that work more properly, that function more uh, more efficiently, and that reduces your carbon footprint anyway. But yeah, if we're, if we're right back where we were, what is the point here? And on top of that, if the West is, I mean, we've always been the producers of, uh, I'd say, the least comparative to China or other emerging nations. But if we are, in fact, still producing at the same level, despite all these efforts, it kind of reminds me of everything done to combat racism, right? For 75 years, we've been combating racism using the same, uh, I guess, more and more aggressive tactics. And yet, if you're pointing out that they're still racist, if America's a racist nation or if Australia's a racist nation, well, none of it seems to have worked, does it? So maybe we should try something different. Maybe so It seems like the same thing with green energy. <laughs> Correct. The same with green energy. You need to rethink the amount of money you're putting into research and development, you need to think about other ways to do it as opposed to redistributing your wealth to developing or third world countries. Now, I want to get back to the United States. In a video today on X, Tucker Carlson interviewed Kentucky Congressman Thomas Massey. Now, Carlson asked, how could Washington possibly send tens of billions more to sleazy oligarchs in Ukraine now that the whole enterprise has been revealed as a fruitless, corrupt and incredibly destructive disaster? Uh, to answer the question, discussion turned to acting U.S. Deputy Secretary of State Victoria Newland. Have a listen. Victoria Newland was at a, at a classified briefing to all members of Congress just a few weeks ago. And I thought and this was on Israel. And I thought, wait, she's failed multiple times. Why are yes. you dragging her out to she has no credibility. Why are you having her brief Congress right now? I mean, she's responsible or shares responsibility in the deaths of more people around the world than maybe any other living American. And yet she's in a classified briefing. I mean, I'm not saying she should be in prison, though you could certainly make a case for that. Um, but she certainly should not have a security clearance and be briefing members of Congress. Did anybody say, wait a second, there's nobody more discredited than you are, Toria Newland? Did anyone say that? Nobody did. Uh by the way, these classified briefings, they're basically propaganda spoon fed to members of Congress directly from the deep state and from the administration. So uh, we're going to have one today, in fact, on Ukraine. We'll, we'll, we will all file into an auditorium and leave our cell phones at the door. And um, we're just, you know, I'm sure this is going to be sort of a psyop or struggle session to get us to vote for more money to go to Ukraine. Yeah. Brian, how can Victoria Newland be taken seriously on the issue of Ukraine and anything to do with international security? Well, the amazing thing is that it's not that she's just unbelievably failed at the international scene, international and foreign relations and conflict. She was also involved in the origins of the COVID narrative, too. Um, you know, I, it obviously didn't get brought up here, but she was involved and a uh, an intricate partner in creating the misinformation campaign around COVID. So she has not only failed on international conflicts, but also has punished Americans domestically by creating this problem. So I don't understand how she has the clearance other than clearly the deep state trusts her, as Thomas Massey said, to run their struggle sessions, to convince the people who are in our government, the elected representatives. And let's not forget the government's full of, of fools and morons, Chris. I mean, it's not like the people that are in government yes. are any better than you or I. In fact, they're probably far worse. Yeah. So convincing them 
that they should vote certain way, that they need to, once again, expand the American empire, that they should be propagandized into uh, funding the military industrial complex, I'm sure is nowhere near as difficult as you and I would think it might be. I'm sure Tom and Jerry could probably do it if they could get out of the TV for 10 seconds. <laughs> You're so right. Now, let's get back to the campuses. In a message to Congress on Tuesday, Jewish students attending four of the most prestigious universities in America recounted their experiences of late of anti-Semitism on campus. Here is a junior student from NYU. Have a listen. My name is Bella Ingber. I'm a junior at NYU, and I'm going to try to answer the following question for you from my personal experiences. What is it like to be a Jew at NYU? Being a Jew at NYU is walking to class and passing torn and defaced posters of innocent hostages with the words occupier and murderer written across their faces. It is going to Bogues Library to study and being interrupted by unauthorized protests where students and faculty call for a globalized intifada revolution, an incitement to violence against Jews everywhere, and a call for the annihilation of the Jewish state and my friends and family who live there. Being a Jew at NYU is being surrounded by students and faculty who support the murder and kidnapping of Jews because after all, as they say, resistance is justified when people are occupied. Gee, let me exaggerate here to make my point. And we thought it was hostile on the ground in Gaza City. Well, it's, you know, I, I respect her saying that um, she does feel intimidated. I respect the the rise in anti-Semitism. Hard to argue with that uh, from what we've seen worldwide. I, at the same time, as you know, as you said, I, I, I take this with a little bit of a grain of salt because we are looking at atrocities abroad. And um, while I do object to, I guess, what's been a growing level of, um, and it's starting with the DEI, DEI uh, that she mentions, a level of discourse on college campuses that has been eroded. I would say free speech no longer really exists. And this is an example of that as well, because you have disparate groups who, once they get an idea in their head, they protest, they react violently, they react like children, and they not they might not have all the information. Um, most times they don't. And so you have resulting outcomes like this, like a anti-Jewish sentiment on a major school campus. But at the same time, I don't want to uh, to weep too many tears for this person. It is a little bit much to compare, I think, the current situation to what happened with Nazi Germany. It's a little bit too much for me. But I at least understand where she's coming from a little bit. I understand what you're saying. Now, Ron DeSantis and Gavin Newsom debated on Fox News last Thursday night. Newsom's wife, we're now here, Jennifer Seabottle <laughs> Newsom, apparently came onto the debate stage in a break to put an end to the debate. What really happened? Well, I, according to many stories, yeah, NBC was reporting this right after the debate. She ran out there and said, no more. He's had enough. I would say I mean, this is the equivalent of throwing in the towel, right? It's like Rocky's manager <laughs> yes. sweeping him off the mat because, yeah. look, I he literally, I was worried about DeSantis going into this. I didn't think he was going to be able to go toe-to-toe with Gavin Newsom, but he really just beat him. I mean, he beat him with facts. He beat him with figures. He didn't let him slime ball his way out. Of uh, of using you know these statistics that Gavin Newsom loves to pull, namely um, very sliced and diced statistical phrases to make it look as though he's doing the right thing and the California is successful. And DeSantis slapped him down every time. I mean, I was reading through the entire transcript, and not once did I think Newsom came out on top in any exchange. So. I guess it was time for his wife to get involved. At the very end, they were supposed <laughs> to do an extra 10 minutes after the uh, the last commercial break. They both agreed to do it. And yet when we came back 
empty stage. Uh, he had been ushered away, taken back to uh, whatever French laundry, uh, delicious restaurant or whatever else that Weiss had planned for him, never to have to interact with the public again. So I, I will say the one thing that's refreshing, though, here is that I think this may have put uh, quite the death knell on a Gavin Newsom potential presidency, because federally, when you look at it, when it's not just him being able to control the narrative in our own marketplace in Los Angeles here, you can see if he's faced with the national audience, the big questions on how he treats education, taxation, crime. Uh, the famous San Francisco poop map was brought up, by the way, where people report where feces is found, human feces in the city. Um, Newsom just doesn't stack up. So yeah. he's down for the count. Let's return to censorship and let's go to the UK. A BBC radio host, Justin Webb, has claimed that his interview with Frazier star Kelsey Grammer was cut short. Have a listen to this. Due to Grammer's support, how dare he, for Republican presidential candidate Donald J. Trump. <laughs> how far can Trump derangement syndrome go, Brian? You know, it harkens back to John Bolton a little bit to me. Read the room, uh, Paramount Plus PR representatives. <laughs> Half the country or more now is in favor of Trump. They always have been, for being perfectly honest. The last election wasn't a blowout. The man obviously has a lot of support. And beyond that, the country as a whole may be looking for something other than Joe Biden, you know, senile doddering Joe Biden, who apparently you can praise to the high ends of the moon, right? You could go to the moon and back talking up Joe Biden. But yet, if you dare to voice support for Trump, they cut you off. And in the meantime, I also think, I mean, Frazier's always been a more conservative character on television. It's not like mm. it's somehow out of left field that he would support him even in a character uh, and not Kelsey Grammer himself. But the insecurity here, really comes out. I guess they figure that the only people that would want to watch a Frazier or consider themselves to be uh, the intelligentsia, the leftist NYU slash Harvard going masses are the only people that are going to be tuning into the show. And so they had to cut it off at the legs. But I think once again, they, uh, they're not reading the room and they're underselling the intelligence of people that might be on the libertarian or the conservative spectrum who just might tune into this show. They've had a really bad year, the BBC, because I've been following the pressure they have been under from normal everyday commentators, mainstream commentators, over the fact that they refuse to call Hamas a terrorist group, over the fact that they now cut off interviews because you dare place your support behind the front runner in the presidential election in the United States. They have lost it. Well, now you think about, too, if they're cutting off interviews, if they're censoring information and political opinions, how are we supposed to trust their vaunted, what is it called, the BBC uh, Lie Detector 2000, whatever it is, their, their misinformation platform that supposedly has been rolled out here? How is anybody supposed to just to follow that, expect any sort of unbiased decisions in what is told to us? Our perception of reality, Chris, once again, yeah. being manipulated, if this is the kind of petty stuff that they're willing to do. Very good point. Very good point. One last one. American former competitive swimmer Riley Gaines she is well known for opposing transgender biological men competing in women's sports. Good on her. In congressional testimony on Tuesday, she said, since taking the stance that I've taken, my address has been leaked. I've had people showing up at my doorstep, drones flying above my house. I can't even tell you the amount of death threats that I've had that have rendered the FBI getting involved. It's real, the vitriol I faced. I've been held for ransom for over four hours. I've been hit. I've been spat on. I've had bottles thrown at me. 
Wow. When they want to fight, the transgender activists can fight dirty, can't they? Absolutely. Well, it goes to show you these people that were supposed to be told, you know, that we should feel nothing but sympathy for that are weak and uh, have to be protected and we have to change society for the reactions here are what you basically what makes me fear for the worst. I mean, when you think about the objections to a lot of what's happening with merging same sex spaces. You look at the reaction to somebody like Riley Gaines. You look at the harassment. You look at the violence. You look at it said locking her, barricading her in a room. And you go, okay, who's doing this? Because for the most part, it's not going to be the trans to males as much. It's going to be the male to females who are mm. still going to have higher hormones. They're going to be more aggressive. And who knows what these drugs are doing to these people's minds? So it yeah. basically is proving the problem we all have with the merging and allowing of these these people to go wherever they want in any space that they want. I think Riley is doing a fantastic job. Uh, a God bless her for taking the brave stance on this. I hope more people will stand up and defend her and come out against what the uh, you know essentially what has been this this merging and pure uh, vitriolic hatred towards anybody who dares to speak common sense. Yeah, it's just appalling. Brian McWilliams, great to have you on the program again. A chunky segment, that. Thank you. I think that's how did you know my wife's nickname for me? That's me. <laughs> chunky, <laughs> chunky segment, McWilliams. All right. Thank you, Chris. Thank <laughs> you very you much, soon. mate. Appreciate that. Brian McWilliams, uh, who you can hear, by the way, on his weekly podcast, The Lions of Liberty. And you can get access to that via the website, lionsofliberty.com. I will open the talkback lines, although they're already open. You know that. And you can jump on right now to have your say on any that we've spoken about, maybe something else that you'd like to set the agenda with from the United States or Canada on 1-888-201-6425. From the UK, 033-0024-1026. And from Australia or New Zealand, 1-800-670-310. Have your say. Pick up that telephone. Let's hear from you on TNT Radio. With his expert analysis and opinion, this is TNT Radio's Timothy Shea. These are parlous times for liberty in the United States and for the Constitution and the rule of law. House Republicans have joined with their Democrat colleagues to oust Republican Representative George Santos, only the sixth member to ever be removed from the lower legislative chamber. Three were removed in 1861 after they joined the Confederacy, and the other two following their convictions of the crimes of which they were accused. Santos has been accused of fraud crimes but not convicted. This is a premature, preemptive strike by Republicans on one of their own, and it sets a dangerous precedent. Now, I hold no grief for George Santos. He seems, quite frankly, like a wingnut, but it's up to the constituents of his district to remove him from office, absent a criminal conviction. This is just one more episode in the long history of Republicans bowing to Democrat will. It seems as though when Democrats win elections, they get their own way. And when Republicans win elections, Democrats still get their own way. This is why we're so upset with the Republican Party. Grow a pair, stand up, and say no to the other side. From MAGAinstitute.com, this is Timothy Shea for TNT Radio. You ever heard of a polyp? Sounds like a rare species of toad. Actually, it's a lump that grows inside me, your bowel. Look, I'm pretty sure if you had a strange lump growing on your forehead, you might get it looked at, right? But when they're growing inside me, nothing, nada. 
and the polyps I get can lead to Australia's second deadliest cancer. So, until there's a way to make them grow on your face, it's up to you to get me looked at. Got it? You're listening to Chris Smith on today's News Talk Radio, TNT. Hey, some good news if you're missing some of your favourite shows due to the Hollywood actors' strike. Well, actors have voted to ratify the deal with studios that ended their strike after nearly four months, leaders announced on Tuesday. The approval of the three-year contract from the... Members of the Screen Actors Guild American Federation of Television and Radio Artists, which is a huge title, uh, was no certainty with some prominent members voicing dissent on the deal for which the union leaders had to bargain. Um, So that's the basis of it. The 78% yes result in voting that began November 13 and ended Tuesday was a far cry from the near unanimous approval and widespread enthusiasm members of the Writers Guild gave to the deal that ended their strike in September. But the outcome, of course, is a major relief for the entertainment industry that is attempting to return to normal after months of labour strife, and it brings a final official end to Hollywood Labor's most tumultuous year in half a century with two historic strikes that certainly shook the industry and uh, caused a lot lot of suffering out there from viewers as well. I want to go to Glenn, our good friend, the truckie, who's on our talkback line. Go ahead, Glenn. There you go, mate. Uh, I asked Holly Hughes about what we actually can do to get rid of the government the other day, correct? Yeah. And she said basically nothing. We've got to sit and wait for the election. Now, everything that's been spoken about so far in your program, your loyal listeners, we all agree, we all know it's true. All of these wars, all of our problems in our lives are created by the political elite and the rulers of of the different countries. Yet, there's absolutely nothing we can do to change this. No. What, what, What are we supposed to do, Chris? Like... I went to my accountant, you know the hours I work? She told me that in, in two and a half years I'd be able to get my super out and pay my house out and then go back because I know I've got to work to the day I die. That's just reality in Australia now. I could get what super I did have and pay my home out and be able to go back to work three days a week and start to enjoy my life. I find out last night the government is now looking at changing the rules on our super So we no longer have the choice of what we do when it's time to get our super. We have to put it into a a, uh, pension fund and it'll be dribbled to us for the rest of our lives as long as we're able to live. We're in this so-called democratic country, and I don't believe we live in a democratic country anymore, but... What can the average person actually do to hold these people to account and change things? I'm sick of hearing, we all know what the problems are, but it seems there is nothing and no hope for us to ever be able to change it. Well, I can't, I can't give you, I can't give you an answer that is going to satisfy you, Glenn. Um, You know, Holly was probably right with what she had to say earlier in the week. But having said that, we've got 
we've got public platforms. We've got public platforms like this one. We've got other public platforms. You've got letters to the editor. You've got politicians you can write to. Um, you've got politicians you can call up. Like, it's not hard to get a number of a politician either in their electoral office or in their parliament house office and voice what you think. Tell them what yeah, you feel. And in particular, when it comes to superannuation, you should be yelling the joint, you should be yelling the house down. Yeah, but here's the problem, Chris. I could do that till the cows come home. But while we have the two-party preferred system, which, which we as the public who employ our politicians cannot change... It, it doesn't matter who you put in there, because it's been proven they have to toe the party line, and it's the faceless bastards behind the scenes that none of us know who they are, that run the joint, and we yep. cannot change it. I can I've, tell I've, you that I can tell you though now. I've had a look at the calendar after you asked that question of Holly, and I reckon we're only 14 months away from a federal election in Australia. Yeah. 14 months and he's just tripled the amount of renewables, he's just guaranteed profits with our tax money, and that's not going to change, because that'll be enshrined in, in bloody law. Well, renewables know, won't. Renewables can be changed. That's not enshrined in law. Yeah, but the Liberal Party are on board with the with net zero too, mate. You know, you know for a fact, Chris, you've been doing this long enough. You know that all of our political parties in Australia are sold out to the One World Government. Let's call it for mm. what it is. Mm. I have a feeling that when it comes to climate change, things are changing, Glenn. I've got a lot of hope that things are changing. That is, as soon as we start getting into blackout territory, we'll wake up to ourselves and not put all our eggs in the one basket right. of renewables and we'll start to rely on what is reliable, which is coal-fired power stations again. But, but okay, we wake up as the public... But I just told you the reality that you know our mm. political system is sold out to the one world government. Do you really think they care whether we live or die? No. Honestly. As long as they live comfortably and have uh, hot and cold showers and hot and cold running service and luxuries and champagne by the gallon, they don't give a damn. Yeah, so therefore I've come to the reality. All I've got to look forward to is death. Because once I die... The I'm hearing what you're saying, but I'm telling you, things will change in 14 months. And the, the no, kaleidoscope what? of negativity that's coming from government at the moment won't be like that in 14 months' time. Things will change. The balance it, will shift in the other direction. How is it going to change when the Liberal Party is just so... All of this is... It's two pig. It's the same pig with two sets of lipstick. Because <laughs> uh, they're okay. not as chronic when it comes to green evangelism as the Labor Party. Okay, they're not as open and in your face, but they're still saying they're still signed the same UN bloody treaties, Chris. Yeah, I, I look. I think what what you'll find what you'll find is before the next election that the coalition will come out and give you all the great reasons why we should go down a nuclear path and then we don't have to pay through our nose for subsidies on the renewable industry. It'll upset all of those who are getting uh, so much filled in their skyrocket. Um, but what we will find is a change to the way we so-called offset climate change. We'll go down the nuclear path and I have a feeling the world will be a better place because of it. 
I wish I I've got to leave it there, Glenn. You've taken me right up to the news. Um, I've got to leave it there. But, mate, thank you very much for your call. As I said at the start of the call, I don't think I'll solve the problem that you have. But anyway, we'll see what we can do about that down the track. Uh, 14 months in terms of the Australian context, at least. I'll come back after the news. I want to talk about Ukraine after the news and a whole heap more including catching up with our regulars on a Wednesday. Prue McSween, just around the corner. And then we'll cross to California and talk to our tech and cyber expert, Alex Zaharoff-Roy. Plenty to come on the program. Do not go anywhere. This is Chris Smith on TNT Radio.